wonderful to be with you here this morning. And uh, I felt when we were sing, singing that song written by uh, Pastor JB this morning that we could just sing that all morning and we'd have a good morning and go on our way and have a great week. Uh, honestly, that was, that's such a powerful song. Because you are my heavenly Father. Lord, lead the way. Isn't it, isn't it great to have God lead the way in our lives? That's really what it's all about. This morning we're going to uh, deal with the subject of when love grows cold, bring God into it. Somebody say, bring God into it. Turn to somebody and say, bring God into it. When we're stuck in life, we don't know where else to turn or we don't know where to go, we go to God. Bring God into it. Turn to somebody else and say it one more time. Bring God into it. Over the years, I've, I've seen many situations where love has been lost, that which we cherish so much. All of us cherish love. We, we want to have love operating in our lives, and we like to have love in the atmosphere, and, and sometimes it's lost. But love can be restored. It can be restored. Nothing hurts more than love lost, and nothing feels better than love restored. Today, you may be in either one of these places, hurting because of love lost with a friend, maybe with a parent, a child, or other circumstances in your life. Or you might be here this morning feeling really good because of love found or love that has been restored. The question I have this morning is, uh, how can a relationship that was so good and so sweet become so sour? How can that happen? I've seen the best of friends over the years become the worst of enemies. I've seen broken hearts because people fell out of love. I remember just uh, a few years ago, someone that I knew, they came into the, the service and I looked at them and I thought, what in the world ever happened to their week? that would bring them so low. And here it was a, a breakup with the person that they loved, and their heart was broken. Uh, they knew each other for years, and all of a sudden someone else came in and some other things came in, and it broke his heart. It's so sad to see that. In marriages, sometimes you see no one could have been more closer, more romantic. And, and you look at that marriage and you say, what's wrong with us? They were made for each other, madly in love. And then, bam, separation, divorce, breakup. All of this takes place. Not only does it happen around relationships with um, with a uh, gal and guy or husband and wife, but business partners and the workplace. In our early years of pastoring, I was confronted with this. I thought, 
how could this be? People that you thought got along split big time over business. In one instance, we had a situation where one partner in the business became suspect because he prospered while the other partner in the business did not prosper. That was, there was, they were not dipping into the funds or anything like that. It was just that the blessing of God seemed to be on one, but the other one was void of that blessing. And jealousy entered in, and all kinds of pain and hurtful things were said. And the person who was blessed just kept on giving and kept on loving. As a matter of fact, that person was, was so generous that he built a house at his cost, a big part of it was his cost, with no profit for the other person. And that even made them more upset that he would give like that to them. It's amazing how convoluted and twisted things can come in life. Gossip came into the situation, and love was lost. Another situation, again, this is when I was really young and new in pastoral life. It was another situation where a business was started which had great potential. And the one person came in with the money. The other person came in with the gifts and the talents that could make that money multiply. And then the one person became just a little bit impatient and all the love that was in that relationship, that business relationship, was absolutely lost. And, and there was no relationship whatsoever after that. Parents and children. I heard a sad story here, and my wife and I heard a sad story of someone that we know, uh, wonderful people. Matter of fact, they were spiritual leaders in, in the city, and uh, their children got involved with some really strange teaching and some strange leaders who taught that if you're going to follow Jesus, you, you, must, you must love Jesus so much that you hate your parents. That's exactly what it was. They said... Jesus said, you know, if you're going to follow me, you've got you to gotta hate your parents. You've got to turn your back on your parents, and you've got to follow me. And they took that literally with, with a lack of understanding of, as to what the Scriptures really say about that. And they broke their parents' heart. And as far as I know, that's still going on today. It's a horrible thing. There's nothing worse than breakup. Turn to somebody and say, there's nothing worse than breakup. But turn to somebody else and say, there's nothing better than restoration. We're going to talk about that this morning. You know, the Bible does say on that one that I just dealt with, the Bible does say that we are to, to honor our father and mother, that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. My mother used to quote that scripture to me when I was acting up. <laughs> You want to live long, Timothy? <laughs> then you obey your parents. You obey your dad. You obey your father. I remember that so. I'll never forget that as long as I live. The fear of God rested on me. and I, Oh, God, help me. I don't want to die right now. 
<laughs> oh, my. <clears throat> Sometimes the, the finest of people bear a child, and uh, this child is their pride and joy. They love this child so much and raise that child with sacrifice. And, you know, I understand statistics tell us it, it, it costs about $250,000 to raise a child from zero to age 18. That's the investment. That's the, that's the monetary investment. It is some cost. If you have five kids, that's quite a bit. <clears throat> Five times 250000 that's $1,250,000 to raise a family like that. <clears throat> Nevertheless, after all that investment, sometimes children turn against their parents. They turn their back on parents and walk away. Brothers and sisters, naturally, and in God's family, often go through these things. God has a family. It's named after him and birthed by him. And people come into the body of Christ or the church and they are born again. They fall in love with Jesus and with each other. And they sing and they dance together in the context of God's, God's house and, and God's family and the fellowship. Then an offense comes in and all of a sudden it's all over. Matthew chapter 18, one of, the, one of the promises we have in the Word of God is that offenses will come. They will come. And they do come to us. And offenses come to test us. Not to destroy us, but to test us. Our relationship with God is, is very, very important. Uh, we, we don't want to ever lose the first love. Revelation the Bible talks about Jesus having something against us when we lose our first love, and that happened with the church in that time. They, they had lost their first love. Love is so important in our relationships. We don't want to lose our first love. I want to talk about the things that that destroy uh, relationship for just a bit here this morning. I personally believe from my study of Scripture that sin is the great separator. It's the thing that divides people. It's the things that divides business, marriage, family, whatever sector of relationships in society there are. When sin comes in, it separates. Turn to somebody and say, sin separates. Adam and Eve, the moment that they entered into sin, separation took place and trauma happened in their relationship and Adam and Eve got into the blame game there in the garden. And more than that, when sin entered in, to their family, uh, murder ultimately took place. Death took place because sin is the great separator. We see it right at the beginning in the Bible. 
In Exodus chapter 20, we see the Ten Commands that were given to us that define what sin is. When another God comes into our life other than the real true God, that's sin. When we use bad language, taking the name of the Lord in vain, or we could say negative thinking and speaking, that defines sin. Whenever we fall into those things, we're getting into a zone that opens the door for all kinds of separation and division. Not honoring the Lord and a day of rest will create burnout in our lives, and that's the result of, of sin. That sin defined is not honoring God. I posted something on, on Facebook uh, about the Lord's Day, and I, I do believe it's good to have a day for the Lord. Every day is for the Lord, but it's nice to assemble like this and fellowship and be in the Word and in worship together. God has designed that for us. For us. And He's designed that we would lay back just a little from the normal things we do in life and, and we bring God into the center of our life in a very meaningful way on the Lord's Day. And it's amazing. I, I even had reactions from people on my Facebook post that, uh, you know, uh, you know, I won't die if I don't go to church. You know, this, this kind of thing. And I, I think, wow, uh, I, I think it's a wonderful thing to have a day for the Lord. Can you say amen? Wonderful day. It's wonderful. I wouldn't want to miss this this morning. Turn to somebody and say, I wouldn't want to miss this this morning. This is great. Great being here with you. Turn to somebody else and say, it's great being here with you. So we want to we honor the day of rest. Uh, we honor God. We honor parents. Uh, sin is having murderous, destructive thoughts and actions. Thou shalt not kill, Exodus chapter 20 says. Adultery or unfaithfulness uh, is a terrible thing. It shatters relationships. And this, of course, we know is not something that is just outwardly committed, ultimately committed in a, a real action, but it can happen in the mind. In these days, pornography and all that kind of stuff uh, festers in the minds of people, and the, the enemy puts that out there so that people are in some way being led down a path that is destructive. Uh, theft is one of the things thou shalt not steal. Theft of some type. There's many different types of theft. You, you know, you can steal somebody's position. A number of years ago, somebody moved into a workplace situation and, uh, and, and they stole another person's position. I thought, how cruel, how sad that, that they would manipulate things to take somebody else's position. Never do that. Turn to somebody and say, never do that. Or words that are not true. The, uh, thou shalt not bear false witness. We don't want to tell lies that destroy and that are destructive because this breaks our relationship with God. It, uh, it is very destructive in our world. It's, it separates. 
These things all cause separation. We wonder why there is separation in our world. And it's because there's a violation in one of these areas. These Ten Commands are, were given for uh, guides for, for living. We know that the Ten Commandments do not save us. Never was in, they never were intended to save us. But we know what is right and what is wrong by these standards that have been set. So I'm thankful that God has put, as it were, rails along the cliff so that I, I know when I cross over there, I'm in real trouble. I don't want to walk and fall over the cliff. So God has put, as it were, rails uh, there for our protection. Covetousness, uh, going after things, um, more than the relationship that we should be going at, covetousness, seeking to take things that are, are not ours or uh, having this passion for things other than the purposes of God is wrong, and it causes separation. However, I'm going to get beyond this this morning. Good news is that sin can be erased, and we don't have to go into sin, and we don't have to live in sin. Can you say amen? Love can be restored where love was lost. The good news is that God is the God of restoration. David said in Psalm 32, he said, Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. We can be blessed as we are released from those things. History is the story of, of, of many restorations of relationships. God is the God of the second chance. The story of the Bible is this. Yes, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, not only have we sinned, not only are we sinners, we are sinners by nature, therefore we sin. There's a big difference to be a sinner by nature. If your nature is to sin, you just sin. It's another thing just to fall into sin momentarily and make a mistake because of human weakness. But we are sinners by nature, and the sin nature is that what Jesus came to deal with. When he died on the cross, he came that we might be freed from the sin nature. Sin brings death or separation, but righteousness brings life and reconciliation. Sinners can become winners. Say that with me. Sinners can become winners. You might say here this morning, oh, man, I just keep falling into sin. And I keep failing in my life. I've got good news for you, and that is sinners can become winners. Sin is the great separator. Don't allow sin into your life. When it tries to enter, confess and humble yourself very quickly and get free from it and get on the path of righteousness. The Bible says if we say that we have no sin, we make God a liar and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that good news? I have often said over the years, if you fall into sin, confess real fast. Confess quick. Get out of the sin zone and get into the righteous zone. Can you say amen? Because righteousness is the great uniter. 
It unites us with people. It unites us with situation. Confession is a great uniter. Love is restored by confession of sin, bringing forgiveness and assurance. Love is restored when we confess his faithfulness to forgive and to cleanse us. It's that simple. It really is. Well, I told you some stories of negative situations earlier where division came in and love was lost. I want to tell you the rest of the story. Some of the situations that we saw over the years where sin came in and brought destruction for a season, we also saw those same situations turn for the glory of God when Jesus came into the center of the lives of these people. I want to tell you a story of a, of a couple that we dealt with in our, in our lives, wonderful people. And separation came into their lives. They actually went through a divorce. They had nine years of divorce and separation. Sin and all the stuff that went with it ruined them. And then one day, I was preaching on a Sunday morning, and it's very early in our ministry, and I was preaching on the God of restoration. And the husband in this situation grabbed that message, and he said, I am going to get my wife back. And I will see this marriage restored. And he applied every biblical way to do it. And nine years later, the relationship was, was restored. It was amazing. He believed that God would restore his wandering wife, even as is the story was to, is told in Haggai in Hosea, pardon me, chapter 2 in the Bible, where God said, I will build a hedge around the, the wife who was running away with wrong lovers, and I will hedge her in, and he believed that, that prayer would be that hedge and the blood of Jesus covering and all those principles from the word of God were applied and would you know that his wife softened her heart and stopped her wandering and she became his wife and on a Sunday morning service they were remarried and they lived together till the day he died. Amazing restoration. Another child was involved in her wanderings, and he took that child as though it was his own, and he parented that boy. And they were united in a wonderful way. And after a number of years, sad thing happened. He died, and he was not that, he was not that old, but he lived to see the day when their marriage was restored. 
And as time went on, she became very intent in her walk with God. And she became a, a teacher among women of the scriptures of the Bible and became a great intercessor. God does miracles. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You see, prayer is a great uniter where love was lost. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that love is restored through the cross. The cross is the, is the great uniter that deals with sin, which is our enemy. Our enemy, our greatest enemy is sin and, and death that comes from sin. But the cross comes in and the cross saves us and the cross redeems us and ultimately unites us. That's the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is there is hope where there has been division and where we have been separated. We can come together because of the cross and because of Jesus. Such good news. Turn to somebody and say, that's good news. I like stories like the story of Jacob and Esau. I'm sure there are movies made of this, this story. I haven't seen one, but I was thinking as I read through the many chapters around the life of Jacob and, and Esau that this, this, is, this is a very dramatic story. The story starts in the Bible and proceeds very badly uh, uh, because Jacob, who is known as, a, as the supplanter, takes advantage. And when Esau is hungry, he, he gives up his birthright for a, a basically a bowl of soup. Very, very sad deception. It's, it's amazing in a weak moment what we can give up if we're not careful. And Esau gave up his birthright. Having, he, being the eldest meant that at the end of the, of the race and and before the end of the race, he would inherit double from Jacob. He would inherit double. That was his. But he gave up his birthright, and he lost those privileges just because he gave in for that moment. And... And, and, and so out of this arises a, a, a great sense of tension. Esau hates Jacob for what he did. He goes through life and he has this, this deep grudge in his life. He said, boy, if I can ever get my hands on that guy, I'll, I'll do him in. But Jacob continues on and life goes on. And as a matter of fact, from the time that this happens where he gives up his birthright to the time where they make up, which we will talk about in, in, in just a few moments, is about 20 years. You know, some situations in life are not resolved instantly. Sometimes it takes years. That's God is working patience in us. You might be going through a relationship situation 
uh, where there's a separation of some sort that's happened, whether it be business or marriage or friendship or whatever the case might be, you say, you know, we just like to snap our fingers and say it's all going to come into place. But, you know, many times it takes years for things to heal. Because one party may just be holding out and, and wanting to continue in there or wanting to hold their ground, which maybe is not their ground because they've taken it wrongly. And so we've got all this time that lapses and, uh, and, and so forth. Amid all of this, if you follow the story, I'm, I'm trying to make it very, very succinct this morning. God begins to work in Jacob's life. And he works in Jacob's life through various circumstances. Uh, you know the story. You know that he loved Rachel. And uh, Laban was a real character himself because did he ever take it out of Jacob? He changed his wages ten times. Then when finally he gives away, uh, you know, the wife-to-be to, to Jacob, he gets the wrong lady, gets Leah rather than Rachel. You, you talk about, you talk about, I mean, I mean, Jacob is getting back everything that he gave out and more that was wrong. I mean, the wrong things that he did in his life was coming back to, to rest where he was living. And he'd gone through all these circumstances but then God starts to invade the life of Jacob. Jacob sees angels ascending and descending. God begins to move in his life and touching him in, in, in def, different ways. Ultimately, he has this wrestle, wrestling match with, with an angel and his thigh is touched and he is, he is broken. And this all leads up to his meeting with Esau, with whom he was estranged from for years. After coming out of this wrestling match, he said, I have, I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. And it's not long after that that... In the mix of all that's happening, Esau comes his way and he has 400 men with him. And Jacob is thinking, 400 men and Esau, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm had it. And Jacob, because of his encounter with God and because of God touching his life, there's a hum bit of humility that has worked in him. And Jacob bows seven times as he sees Esau coming. And he's humbling himself. And when Esau sees Jacob and sees him humbling himself the way he does, he runs to meet him, and these brothers embrace each other with, with a depth of emotion because they are brothers and all that stuff is set aside. And they're all bowing themselves around this situation. And Jacob is, is giving gifts to Esau. Giving whatever he can. And Esau receives. After that, they 
They once again part ways in life, and they're both blessed. They settle into life. And one thing that's very important here is that Jacob, who is this supplanter, and he's this guy that's manipulated things always to his advantage, now has been so humbled and so changed in his life, and now he builds an altar. He builds an altar. What does an altar stand for? An altar stands for sacrifice. He was making room for looking ahead to the sacrifice of Christ to solve his dilemmas and his relational situations and so on. I'm going to build an altar and there I will sacrifice. The altar speaks of the cross being central and foremost in our lives cross is uh, the the altar is the place where where animals died they were sacrificed there certain things die to deal with much with with what needs to be dealt with in life when you when you establish an altar i'm going to conclude here very quickly now in summary Wherever sin is, love is lost. Wherever God has preeminence, love is restored. Whatever it takes to get back to God, who is love, get there. Get there. Go there. If it means repentance, then repent. If it means bowing down like Jacob was bowing down, then bow down. If it means giving gifts, then give gifts. If it means confessing to God and someone else, then confess. If it means saying, I'm sorry, say it. If it means bowing yourself to the ground seven times, then do it seven times. If God's requiring more, do it more. If it means building an altar, then do it. If it means humbly coming to the cross, then come to the cross. If it means taking out time to meet God face to face, then meet him face to face. If it means restoring your first love, giving your heart and the actions that follow that, then do that. May it never be said of us that God has something against us because we've left our first love. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, bring God into it. Maybe you're, you're in, a, in the midst of a trauma right now in your life that's big. You don't know what to do with it. Maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're in above your head. It's, you're, you're sinking. You're not just swimming on top you're you're sinking bring god into your situation it's a word that i believe god gave me this morning this is bring god into it bring god into it let's stand together Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know a lot about Jesus. It's all new to you.
When you bring Jesus into your life, you're bringing God into your life. I urge you to call upon Jesus. The Bible says whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be, will be saved. They'll be delivered. They'll find hope. They'll find a way out. Love can 